And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show postponement news edition. This is uh, not a particularly fun set of games to read off because, as you know, the the pandemic was going to hit college football a little bit harder at some point. As the numbers of COVID cases have risen nationwide, you had to think it was going to affect more college football games, and, and now it definitely is doing that. Uh, on Tuesday, we learned that the SEC is postponing Alabama and LSU, as well as Texas A&M and Tennessee. And remember, on Monday, the SEC postponed Auburn and Mississippi State. So that's three SEC games that will not be played. And to this point, they'd been able to reschedule everything. The Alabama LSU postponement changes that math a little bit because LSU already has a game that was postponed against Florida that was tentatively scheduled to be played on December 12th. That is the SEC's designated makeup Saturday. December 19th is the date of the SEC championship game. So what happens now? Because, you know, to this point, the SEC had not faced a situation where it couldn't make up a game. You know, the Big Ten with Wisconsin missing the Nebraska game, missing the Purdue game. It just had to cancel those games. Uh, Same in the Pac-12 with Cal and Washington and with Arizona and Utah. But the SEC, to this point, had been able to move around conference games and get them rescheduled. This is the first situation they've faced where they have not been able to do that. Doesn't mean they're not going to, though. There are options, and if you saw the SEC's press release, you see what they're kind of angling for. December 19th is the date of the SEC championship game. Given what we've seen so far, we are assuming that's going to be Alabama against Florida. It's not a guarantee. You know, Florida could lose twice, I suppose. Alabama would have to lose quite a few times, but it's possible that it could be somebody else. But for now, we're going to assume it's going to be Alabama and Florida. And and that makes things even more complicated because LSU needs to make up games against Alabama and Florida. So we have to see what's going to happen here. But the the 19th is the date that they are supposed to play the SEC championship game, but they've not ruled out the possibility of playing makeup games on that day. So that would be makeup games that do not affect the SEC championship game matchup, which that could mean you move Alabama and LSU to another point on the schedule, move one of LSU's other opponents to the 19th, because neither of them would be playing in the SEC championship game. It's it's possible they could do that. It's possible, I suppose, that you have LSU and Alabama play on the 12th. If there's another SEC West team that Florida hasn't already played that needs a game because it lost another game, which, listen, given the way things are going, it's entirely possible there's another set of teams next week that we're talking about too. You could slide one of those in. Let's say it's it's Auburn or Mississippi State or somebody like that that, that needed a game you could slide one of them and have Florida play them. So there are options here 
for the SEC. They still still more options than the Big Ten and the Pac-12 left themselves, but they're running out of them. And you know, at, at a certain point, I do wonder: Will the college football playoff, which by the way is run by the conferences themselves, you know, the SEC is one of them, the Big Ten is one of them, the Pac-12 is one of them. Will they consider moving the semifinals and the final? Uh, in terms of venues, it's not really that big of a deal. Nobody's playing in the Rose Bowl regularly once UCLA season is done. Uh, the the fields in the field in New Orleans is is turf. You can flip that. If the Saints have a playoff game the next day or very soon after, you can just convert that very easily. Uh, the field in Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship game, same deal. If there's a Colts game the next day, you can convert it very easily. But that's the issue. Can can you move that? Because remember, the NFL schedule is designed in a way that they move games to Saturday, even regular season games, once the college football season ends because they want to take that television real estate and get some more exclusive windows. So does college football want to go against the NFL? Probably not. But would you have would you do it if you had to? I think you could. And the semis also you don't necessarily have to play them on the first. You can move them to another day. I realize the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl are contractually tied to the first, but contracts can be changed. There's a pandemic on. So you play those games. Probably, I would say you play those games on weekdays and not on the same weekday. You don't want a situation. Remember when the semis were on New Year's Eve and the first one started at, at, at 4 o'clock Eastern time, 1 o'clock Pacific time? You, you don't want that. People got to work. Put them both in prime time. Put one on a Monday, one on a Tuesday, and then play the championship game uh, the Monday, not immediately after that, but after that. And then they're not up against the NFL because the NFL will be into the playoffs. They're, they'll only be playing on Saturdays and Sundays, and you don't have that competition. This is this this unwillingness to be flexible with the playoffs so far has been kind of maddening. You know, I, I thought they should have expanded the playoff th- for this year because you've got all the same conference stereotypes that are going to play into who gets picked for the four. Now you've got a situation where you've given no flexibility to the Big Ten, no flexibility to the Pac-12, and the SEC's running out of flexibility. And look, the ACC and the Big 12 could be in the same boat. There's no guarantee that they're going to ha- not have the same situation happening to them next week. The numbers are up everywhere and college football is being affected proportionally. So you, you've just got to accept that things are going to be different. Now, I guess you could say go the other way and accept that things are going to be different and some games are not going to get played and they're just going to pick the playoff the best they can and and play it and get the season over with. And, and hopefully in 2021, it's not as, you know, not as rough as this season's been. But I don't know. At this point, we don't know what 2021 is going to be like either. So I feel like if you could make accommodations, you should make them. I mean, I realize that there may be some ratings issues or uh, some confusion about when games are, but you can, you got commercials, you got the internet, you can tell people that you've changed them and they'll figure it out and and maybe give some people a chance because I I think the Big Ten and the Pac-12 would certainly appreciate that. And at this point, you know, you, you didn't hear the SEC crowing about doing a better job than the Big Ten or the Pac-12 in terms of handling how they played their season, even though that was kind of the overriding thought within the league. But 
the leaders of the SEC were very careful not to pound their chests because they knew a day like this might come. And this is what's happened. I mean, it, you, you kind of had to think when you saw the numbers going up last week that it was going to affect more college football games. So you know, this is the situation that they're in. The SEC is going to have to do some shuffling if they're going to get every game played without moving the conference championship game, which obviously is not going to move unless the playoff gets pushed back. So we'll see. And it may just be that not everybody can play every game they're scheduled. And the Big Ten's already made peace with that. The Pac-12's already made peace with that. It might be that the the SEC and then ultimately the ACC and the Big 12 are going to have to make peace with that too. And we'll just have to see. But what, what have we been telling you all season long on this podcast? There's a pandemic and everyone's doing the best they can. <laughs> There's no playbook for this. It, nobody knows exactly how to handle it. They're just still trying to figure it out. So what didn't seem possible a week ago may suddenly get possible. And that would be maybe moving the playoff around. Or maybe they just say, you know what? This is this is getting pretty tiresome this season. Let's just play what we can and, and get it done. We'll have to see how they do. But it will be a roller coaster the rest of the way. I can guarantee you that from an on-field perspective and an off-field perspective. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We're going to go a little different direction with some of these Wednesday shows this season. At The Athletic, we, we get to tell you a lot of good stories. And one of the great things about working for The Athletic is they give me all kinds of space to write fun stories about people in college football and sometimes people that don't get all the headlines, the people that maybe play at a little more obscure school or they're, they're playing a little more obscure role. Well, this week, really interesting story about a guy who started his career in the Power Five it didn't quite work out. He transferred and is now starting at a group of five school, and he is helping that team to a historic season. Liberty quarterback Malik Willis shooting up draft boards, even though he could actually play two more seasons, and really lighting it up when the Flames play. And this is a team that's beaten two ACC teams already. They've beaten Syracuse. They've beaten Virginia Tech. They got Western Carolina this week, but then NC State next week. So Malik Willis is getting challenged, and he is answering the bell every single time. This is a guy from suburban Atlanta, wasn't a full-time starting quarterback in high school until his senior season, was one of those guys that was recruited as an athlete and said, no, no, I'm a quarterback. I promise you 
I'm a quarterback, and he is making good on that promise this year. So here is our story on Malik Willis from Liberty. Malik, huge day for you. 345 yards passing, six touchdowns, one night, or I'm sorry, 97 on the ground with a touchdown there as well. I mean, how are you feeling after putting in all that work? <laughs> for real? I ain't even know it like that. Dang, that's crazy. When Malik Willis came out of Roswell High in suburban Atlanta, no one knew exactly what he could be as a quarterback. His split time between receiver and QB during his first three years at Westlake High, and most of his recruitment to that point had been based on his athletic gifts and not his arm. After transferring to Roswell before his senior season, he received offers from Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, but neither school would commit to a position for Willis. That seems crazy now that Willis has led Liberty to a 7-0 record in his first year as a starter, including a 38-35 win at Virginia Tech this past Saturday. But the nation's hottest first-year starting quarterback took a circuitous path to stardom. He signed with Auburn out of high school and at one point looked poised to take over on the Plains, but just as quickly, he was third on the depth chart and seeking a new school. Now, after sitting out a year because of NCAA transfer rules, Willis is showing everyone that he's a great quarterback who also happens to be an excellent athlete. Sean McAvoy, Willis's quarterback coach since high school, was there for every twist and turn of Willis's initial recruitment. Early offers that he had, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, kind of the big power five schools that jumped in early, they just knew he could help them. You know, he athletically, he fit what they were looking for. And I don't think they anybody was very quick to 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 put him in any position, uh, let alone QB at the time. And then I think through his senior year, you could see the development at the quarterback position. So like a school like Virginia Tech, when they offered him prior to his senior year, you know, they're like, okay, I know he wants to play QB. He could be DB, wide receiver for us, help us in a bunch of different places. By the time he was done his senior year after the state championship game, they were, I thought, you know, in talking to, to some people around that program and with the coaching staff, they were ready to say, hey, he wants to play QB. He can play QB here, you know, and that was kind of the way it was for a bunch of programs. Willis knew where he wanted to play, though. That's cool like, that you think that high level me, but uh, I, at the end of the day, I had enough room to play quarterback. Auburn gave Willis that chance. He signed in 2017 along with Jarrett Stidham, who had started his career at Baylor, but then spent 2016 at a junior college with Baylor in upheaval because of a scandal. Willis was buried low on the depth chart when he arrived, but his play and other circumstances forced him higher. Tyler Queen transferred. John Franklin III moved to receiver and then transferred. After Sean White was dismissed from the team that September, Willis became Stidham's backup. Willis played sparingly in 2017 and 2018 in Auburn. He appeared in 12 games, completing 11 of 14 passes for 69 yards and a touchdown, but he did produce a few highlights. One, in November 2018, came against the team he had no idea he'd wind up playing for. And the give to Tolbert again, left side. Nope, Malik keeps it. He's inside the 10 to the 5 and into the end zone. Malik Willis, touchdown Auburn. But getting so close to the starting job left Willis assuming he was the heir apparent to Stidham. But when Stidham finished, more competition followed. This time, Willis wasn't ready. Like I said, I was humbled at Auburn because I wasn't working like I should have been working. I wasn't doing the things I needed to be doing in the film room. I wasn't taking advantage of my opportunity. and I was humbled for it, and I wasn't giving the glory to God. I was out there playing for myself, and that's what happened. Instead of replacing Stidham as the starter, Willis fell behind true freshman Bo Nix and redshirt freshman Joey Gatewood on the depth chart. Willis realized that if he wanted to play, he probably would have to go elsewhere. So he placed his name in the NCAA's transfer portal. Auburn coach Gus Malzahn doesn't always speak so glowingly of players leaving his program, 
but it was clear in May 2019 that Malzahn believed Willis could find success elsewhere. Well, first of all, Malik is a wonderful human being. Uh, we'll be rooting for Malik, uh, you know, to find the right situation uh, for him. Uh, but like I said, he was a blessing to coach, and we'll be rooting for him. Malzahn and Liberty coach Hugh Freeze have been friends for a while. Though their offenses are different, they're both ex-high school coaches who embrace an up-tempo offensive pace. Freeze, who had been scouring Willis's social media looking for video of his throwing motion, reached out to Malzahn to learn more about Willis the person. Um, I talked to Gus when you know we were going through the recruitment of of Malik, and uh, you know the first thing Gus said was, "Man, uh, an incredible kid," and he's been exactly right with that. He's a humble, uh, great kid that's uh, that leads in a special way, and you know he's he's the kids want to follow him. So Gus was dead on with that. The question was how Willis would handle the offense and how he'd handle having to sit for a year. The Flames applied for an NCAA waiver that would have allowed Willis to play in 2019, but it was denied. This may have worked out in Liberty's favor, though. Willis attacked learning the offense with renewed energy. It had dawned on him before he left Auburn that he needed to bring back the study habits that had helped him early in his career at Auburn. So when he wasn't torturing Liberty's starting defense as a scout team quarterback in 2019, Willis was soaking up the offense he'd run in 2020. I needed something to do. I just needed something to do. It was like I was itching to get on the field, like and just didn't want to waste the opportunity when I did get my chance. Freeze and quarterbacks coach Ken Austin were busy working with 2019 starter Buckshot Calvert and the rest of the offense, so they weren't entirely certain what they had on their hands in Willis. And they'd have to wait to find out after the pandemic wiped out most of Liberty's spring practice in 2020. Willis spent much of the spring in Atlanta on the phone and on Zoom calls with coaches and teammates, but he remained a relatively unknown commodity until the Flames opened their season against Western Kentucky on September 19th. We all knew he was a tremendous athlete and that we could, you know, do some things with that within our system. But, you know, could he could he be an accurate passer and, and make the correct reads on, you know, our post-snap stuff that we do? And, you know, we really didn't have those questions answered until the first game. Here's Willis taking off to the end zone. Got it. Touchdown. Malik Willis. And there's a Touchdown. For the junior from Atlanta. That first game was a 30-24 win that showcased Willis the athlete as much as it did Willis the passer. He completed 13 of 21 passes for 133 yards, but ran 21 times for 168 yards and three touchdowns. But as the season has progressed, so is Willis's comfort with the Flames' run-pass option heavy offense. With Liberty facing a talent gap against ACC foe Syracuse on October 17th, Willis completed 16-20 throws for 182 yards and a touchdown in a 38-21 win. The following week, he went wild, completing 24 of 31 for 345 yards and six touchdowns in a 56-35 win against Southern Miss. Then came the Flames' toughest challenge to date, a visit to Lane Stadium, where Willis had once planned to play for the home team. Liberty now back in the red zone on second down and six. Willis cuts it back inside, inside the 10, inside the five, he'll score! The Virginia Tech game showcased everything Freeze loves about Willis and the few facets of Willis's game that occasionally drive Freeze crazy. Willis threw for 217 yards and three touchdowns and ran for 108 yards and one TD. He also tried to do a little too much and coughed up a fumble on first and goal late in the second quarter. He just tries to make too much happen and then makes a, you know, a bad play with the football in the five yard line. And those just, you know, they can't happen and you continue to win close games. And so um, he knows that and and he, he takes my yelling on that and then, I yell and say, take care of the dead gum ball. And then the next breath, I'm like, no, you're my guy. Let's go do it again. And and he handles that well. So, um, 
and I think I moved past it fairly well after he lets me vent. As much as he needs to, he would tell me plenty in a row, and I need it. That's why I love it. When we return, you'll learn how Willis had to demonstrate how much better he's become in Liberty's most challenging game to date. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Late in the fourth quarter with the game tied at 35, Willis had a pass batted down by six foot six Virginia Tech defensive end Amari Barno at the line of scrimmage. That left the Flames facing fourth and six for the Virginia Tech 41. Initially, Freeze decided to try a long field goal with eight seconds remaining. 59-yard attempt. yards. Alex Barbier for the win. And it's blocked. Oh. It's blocked and picked up. It's picked oh up by goodness. Jermaine Waller. He'll score for the Hokies. If I had the situation to kick this long field goal again, I would not do it. But could there have been a timeout call before the kick? On the sideline, Freeze changed his mind and decided to send the offense back out. During the timeout, he gave Willis very specific instructions. If the Hokies played soft coverage, Willis would throw to C.J. Yarborough along the left sideline so Yarborough could immediately duck out of bounds. If not... I had to be very clear with Malik what we were doing, and I said, now look, here's exactly what I want you to do. Please do not waver from this. If they cover this down, we're throwing Hail Mary. You've got to get your depth, and you've got to let that ball go high, and those are the two options now, and that, in that order. When Willis got back to the line of scrimmage, he saw the Hokies playing very soft, but he remembered one more potential impediment to what should have been an easy sideline throw. Barno, who had batted down a few of his passes already. McAvoy, Willis's longtime QB coach, smiled as Willis made the necessary adjustment. Obviously, they were giving him free access on the outside, but what you're seeing, it was super subtle, was him just kind of backpedal to his left before he makes that throw. And to me, it looked like a clear kind of comprehension of, I need to create a lane and get around the defensive end to complete this ball in the flat. You know, and those are the kind of things, as you see Malik, continuing to develop this awareness. There's no timeouts left. Everybody's back. You can't even see five players in maroon jerseys. They're so far up back. Quickly to the outside. There's plenty of time on the clock, Mark. This is 50 yards out, so this is a little bit more manageable than the last kick. Willis whipped an eight-yard pass to Yarbrough, who hopped out of bounds. That gave Liberty kicker Alex Barbier a 51-yarder. 
quite a bit easier than the 59-yarder he would have had to kick. He boomed it through, and the Flames celebrated what might have been the biggest win in school history. Willis might have made more highlight reels with a Hail Mary or an overtime TD, but just as he had no idea that he'd thrown six TD passes against Southern Miss, he wasn't worried about his own numbers Saturday. He'd literally be just as happy handing the ball off 60 times and then winning. When I was at Auburn, like I used to only get in for so many plays, so I try to go hit home runs every time I get in. But now that I'm in the whole game, it's like, no, I just want to win. Like It doesn't matter how it gets done. I can have 10 pass yards and 10 rushing yards. We win, I don't care. Willis always has been the type of player who only cares about the things he can control. But his journey has further reinforced that notion. Ask him about stats, and he'll thank God for giving him a chance to play. Ask him about an NFL future, and he'll say that depends on how much he wants to work. It's just a blessing. You take your opportunity when you can get them. I just can't complain. You know, anyone put me through anything, I can't handle. So I just try to continue to be humble, be grateful, and just be thankful and go out there and play like it. Go out there and play like it could be your last time out there. And use my platform in a positive way. That's all I can do. Malik Willis and the Liberty Flames face Western Carolina on Saturday, and then another challenge from the ACC. They play NC State. A week from Saturday, can they go 3-0 against the ACC? That would be a, a big, big win for Liberty and for Malik Willis. Unfortunately, some more news came across as we're getting done. Georgia and Missouri also will be postponed. That brings to four the number of SEC games that are postponed this week. Uh, Missouri already had a makeup tentatively scheduled with Vanderbilt for December 12th, so there will have to be some shuffling or, or something done if the SEC plans to play all the games it had hoped to play. We'll, we'll see what happens there. But before I go, I just wanted to give you a heads up on this. Stories like that one on Malik Willis, we do them all the time at The Athletic. Sometimes we do them in writing, sometimes in audio, sometimes both. But there are tons of great stories like that on The Athletic. You can get them every day, like just today, if you want to read about Malik. You can do that, and then you can just scroll to Bruce Feldman's story on DK Metcalf and what he was like at Ole Miss now that he's just tearing it up in the NFL for the Seahawks. Every day, we are pumping out incredible stories, and right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for $1 a week for your first six months. That's a buck a week. Go to theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. That's theathletic.com slash A-N-D-Y-S-T-A-P-L-E-S, and sign up for a dollar a week for your first six months best sports writing on the planet. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you again on Friday.